second. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's just stay in this spirit of prayer here. This, just stay here for just a second. Maybe you didn't come up. And, and you know what? You don't, you don't need to come up here to experience God, to seek his face today. If God led you to do that, that's tremendous. But I just want us to stay in the spirit of prayer for just a moment. Maybe you do have a need. Maybe your marriage has a need, your kids, your family. I just want you to lift that up to the Lord today. All right? So we're not worried about, our, about, about the crowd, what anybody else is doing. This is the time between you and the Lord. And we're just asking God to move in our lives, move in our circumstances. You might be here today and, and you're not a believer. You're not a Christian. You don't even know what to think about God. Maybe you've never even prayed and, and you're in the middle of something that's too big for you. And you can just cry out and say, God, I've never asked you for anything before. Never talked to you. But God, will you help me? If you are there, help me. Just stay in the spirit of prayer for just a moment. Father, I thank you that Jesus is alive today. And he is our hope and he is our rock and our refuge. I thank you that your word says that he is a very present help in times of trouble. And a lot of us are in trouble. There are marriages in trouble. There might be some kids in trouble. Some people feel like their future is in trouble. Some people feel like their finances are in trouble. Some people feel like like their life is in trouble. Like their faith is in trouble. Thank you that God, your word, when when we are in that trouble, you are a very present help. It, It doesn't tell us that you just simply know what's happening. It says that you are present. It says that you are right there. It says that whether we experience you, whether we feel you or not, what regardless of what the enemy says, when the enemy tells us that you don't care and that you're not listening and you're not watching us and you don't take care of us, God, you have declared the exact opposite, that you are a very present help in times of trouble right there on the scene, right there in that situation. The biggest reality in our trouble is you. And Father, we give you glory today for it. God, we praise you for it. So God, I pray that you would bring breakthrough to these lives, to these families, to these marriages, to these situations, to this trouble. God, we are asking for breakthrough, that if Jesus broke through sin and death, he can break through our situation. If Jesus provided for For 5,000, thousands of people when there was little to no resources. He can do it in our situation. Jesus walked on water. He can do it in our situation. If Jesus raised the dead, he can bring resurrection to our situation. It is not beyond your ability. God, God, we have not even tapped into the surface of what you are able to do. So God, our situation does not intimidate you today. And so Father, we ask that, God, you would increase our faith. God, that you would increase our vision of you. I pray that you'd protect every single person, God, who is under the attack of the enemy. God, who wants to destroy their faith. That their faith would not fail. They would not listen to the lies the world or anyone is throwing at them. Jesus, you are greater. Jesus, I thank you that, that, God, when we come to you and we seek your face, you hear. We don't think you're here. We know you're here. You said it, and you cannot lie. Father, I pray that, Jesus, you would give us a deeper trust in you, a deeper love 
for you. And Father, all these situations and all of these things in our lives, God, we trust you with it. Trust you with it. And that when this service ends in a few moments, you go with us. And that trouble might still be there, but you are present in that trouble. And we are not alone in it. And we love you for it, Jesus. We love you for everything that you've done, everything that you will do, everything that you got every ounce of grace that's new every day. We don't deserve any of it. So, Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Church, let's thank God for what we've already experienced this morning. That's awesome. Man, um, I'm going to grab this right over here. Hey, I'll tell you, uh, I, love, I love when we have those times of prayer up here. And one of the things that, uh, one of the things that I love about, about what I just saw up here is people coming up here to pray and other people from the church gathering around them, praying for them, laying hands on them, that the church being the church right? Uh, that, that every single person, a lot of people are stepping up and coming up here to, to rally around and to pray for and love and encourage because that's exactly what it's supposed to be like, isn't it? It's supposed to be uh, that way. And, and that's exactly what we're talking about uh, this morning. I mean, everything that we've uh, seen this morning, that's exactly what we're talking about. We saw it with the students. And I love how uh, Alex and Hunter uh, shared with us this morning. And, bo- and they just said that this is, just that this is worship. This is not just them up here doing something. This is worship. And that God is using them. God's moving through them. And then Joe comes up. And Joe, uh, man, our church is just so thankful for Joe and others like him who serve, who pray, and just... Uh, do so much. And then the worship team, I mean, they volunteer and they're here early and late every single week and they do a lot to get prepared. And what you're seeing here this morning is the church being the church, right? You're seeing the church be the church. And that's exactly what we're talking about uh, just over the next few minutes as we're together. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and grab a Bible and open it up to Ephesians chapter 4. Okay, so we are going to be in Ephesians 4 today. We're wrapping up the series that we've been in for the past several weeks called I Am Going. And if you missed any of that, you want to review, check that out, experience it again or anything like that, you can go on the app, you can go on the website, you can download that, watch it uh, any, any way you want. We're making that available to you. As you're turning to Ephesians 4, I want to say two things to you very quickly. Number one is right after church today, we are doing two baptisms outside. Uh, two of our students are being baptized today. That's awesome. Awesome. That is awesome. And uh, so it's outside, so don't just head off and jump in the car real quick. Uh, stick around and watch that celebrate with those students. And then also, right after that, is our partnership event. Uh, if you want to become a partner, a uh, member of the church, we got a free lunch ready we can give you. If you didn't sign up, it doesn't matter. We're good, we're good to go for everybody who wants to be there. And it's right over in the multipurpose room where our kids are meeting. Okay, so you can just stick around for that. But we are in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. If you don't have it, I think it might be, probably, possibly, boom, there it is on the screen. Screen. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, it says this. And, and he, he is God, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints. Everybody say, equip the saints. Equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I love verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves 
and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. It's not even a part of the sermon, but it's just free here. I love that verse because what that says is that God doesn't want us to believe everything we hear in church, everything we hear on Christian radio, everything we see on Christian television. God wants the church to be, here's a word you may not know, discerning. Do you know what discernment means? It means, here's what it means. You shouldn't believe anything I say because Mark says it. Because I'm just a guy. All right, I can mess up. I can say the wrong thing. God doesn't want us to be deceived by every wind of doctrine because you could be. All right? So just because, listen, just because you watch somebody on television, listen to somebody on the radio, thousands and thousands of people go to their church. Their church is the size of a small third world country. That doesn't mean you should buy everything they're selling. Amen? Man, you need to be discerning. Acts 17 says that one of the, most, that one of the groups that stood out as Paul's going on his missionary journey is a group, of, a group of people, they were called the Bereans, and what it says that they were more blessed than others because they would hear what Paul says and then went to the Word of God to see if what Paul says is true. You should believe what the Bible says, not anything Mark says because Mark said it. Right? 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Five people. Rather than speak, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Verses 11 and 12, two of the most important verses in the Bible about how the church works. That's what we've been talking about in this series. Remember uh, that we've been wanting this moment where God opens up our eyes and realizes, wow, I didn't know the church was supposed to work like this. Verse 11, God gives to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, pastors, people like me, right? right? So God gives, God gives the church, you know, people who teach the Bible, talk about the Bible. God gives pastors, shepherds, things like that. Here's a question you can answer yourself, answer to yourself rather. What should pastors do? Now here's what you may be thinking. The pastors should do everything, Pastors should do everything, all right? We just expect for him to do, for the pastors or whoever those leaders are, we expect for them to do, here's what a lot of people might be saying to themselves, ministry. The ministry is done by the people that get paid at church or the pastor or whoever it is, by the small group of people that seem to carry a lot of the weight. But watch this. He gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, watch, 12, to equip the who? Saints for the work of what? Okay, now there's a couple things in there we got to unpack because that is a big deal. So God says that God gives to the church pastors, shepherds, leaders, and things like that. And their role is to equip the saints to do ministry. Now, who are the saints? Now, I'm sorry for our, I'm, I'm sorry, might be a little controversial. I'm sorry for our Catholic friends, but the saints are not like this varsity level of super spiritual people that we elect and then we begin to pray to them. The Bible never teaches that, all right? We pray to one person, Jesus Christ. He's the one mediator between God and man, all right? That's a good place to amen. Praise the Lord, right? So, so saints are not like varsity level super Christians that a few people arrive at. No, 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 no. See, the book of Ephesians, what the book of Ephesians is about, it's about our identity in Christ, when you give your life to Jesus, you get forgiveness of sins. The Spirit of God comes and lives in your life. A lot of things happen, but one thing that happens is you get a brand new identity. God tells you who you are. Your friends don't. Your family doesn't. The world doesn't tell you who you are. If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus tells you who you are, and what he says is the truest thing about you, right? 
And, and as you read the book of Ephesians, one thing that God's make, God makes clear, our identity, who we are, we are the church. And another thing that we are is we are saints. Every follower of Jesus is a saint. So if you're a follower of Jesus, students, students, you're a saint. Moms, dads, followers of Jesus, grandparents, grandparents, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. If, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a saint. All right? All right? And look, look, at the, look at that verse there. It says that saints are to be equipped to do the work of ministry. Here, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to never forget this. Ministry is not for the few. Ministry is for everybody. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to ministry. See, here's what we're going to unpack today. We're going to unpack in just a few moments. God has given to every single follower of Jesus spiritual gifts, gifts, passions, abilities, and he wants you to use those gifts, passions, and abilities to make a difference in the lives of other people. So ministry, leveraging your life to make an impact in Jesus' name, that's not for other people. That is for every Christian, no matter how young or old you are, if you have have air in your lungs today. You are a saint of God in Jesus, and he has called you to the ministry, and he has equipped you for it. For every every saint is called to the ministry. So examine yourself here. Ask yourself this question. Ask yourself this. Is ministry something that you expect people to do for you, or is ministry something that you gladly do for other people? Now, we all need to be ministered to, right? We all need to be ministered to. We all need to grow and, and that sort of thing. We all need to be ministered to. But you know what? For, for a lot of people, and maybe if, you're, if, maybe if church is boring, this one's for you. Or, or maybe if it just feels like something is missing from your spiritual life and you can't quite figure out what it is. I mean, you're reading a lot of content. You're reading a lot of books. You're listening to K-Love. You're doing all this Christian stuff. But something seems to be missing. Can I challenge you for a second? Maybe what's missing, and if, does, if it doesn't apply to you, then it applies to somebody else, Lord willing. But maybe what's missing is that you are being ministered to, but you are not ministering to other people. You're you're not letting God use your life to be a blessing. You're not using the gifts that God has given to you. Because God has given to every single Christian spiritual gifts that he wants you to use to make a difference in the lives of other people. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give us two things today. All right? First one is true for everybody. It doesn't even matter if you're a Christian or not. The first one is true for every person, whether you're a Christian, atheist, or you're just trying to figure it out. This is true for every single person. And number two... Number two, number two, rather, is for followers of Jesus. And my prayer is that every person finds themselves in category two by the time that we're done. Here's the first thing that's true for every single one of us this morning, no matter where you are spiritually. You are uniquely made by God. Every single person in the room. You are uniquely made by God. Did you know that there is not another person like you in the entire world? Now, other people who know you might hear that, hear that and say, thank God. I don't know, right? But there isn't anybody like you in the whole world. Now, we spend a lot of time trying to be like other people, don't we? We compare ourselves to other people. We try to act like other people. We try to emulate other people. We spend a lot of our lives comparing ourselves and wishing we were other people. I love what Andy Stanley says. Andy Stanley's a pastor in Atlanta, and he simply, he, he simply says this, God's not into reruns. If God would have wanted you to be that person, you would be who? 
that person. Instead, what God did is God made you, and Psalm 139 says that God knit us together in our mother's womb. And so what that means is that you are uniquely made by God. Your passions, your skills, your abilities. So you're an athlete, you're a leader, you're really good with numbers, you're really good with organization, you're, 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 you're a great cook, you're funny, you're serious, you're an extrovert, you're an introvert. You are not an accident today. And I don't say that to puff you up or to make us feel good, get some goosebumps, but what I am saying that for is if you have never sat down and seriously asked yourself the question, why am I here? You need to ask yourself that question. Not why am I here in the forum, why am I here alive, breathing air on this planet? And if you really dig down deep in that, in that question, I promise you, you will not discover that the answer to why you're here alive, you will never discover that the answer to that question is to make a lot of money, To retire, and listen to this, I promise you, the answer to that question is not be happy. Actually, guys, God is really clear on this. I think it might be up on the screen. If it's not, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7, there it is. Everyone who is called by my name, watch, 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 whom I created for my, what's that next word? Glory, whom I formed and made. What that says is God made all of us for the glory of God. So that we wouldn't live our lives trying to build our own kingdom. We wouldn't live our lives thinking that the universe revolves around us or making much of ourselves. We would give our lives away to the one who made us. We were made to make much of God, not much of ourselves. Why am I here? We are here for the glory of God. And then once you, once you realize that, once that gets down deep into your heart and into your soul, all of a sudden that can lead us into the second thing we need to see this morning. And here it is. If you are a follower of Jesus, now if you're not, in just a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to make that decision. But if you are a follower of Jesus right now, you are uniquely gifted. We said a minute ago that, that when you give your life to Jesus, several things happen. God forgives you for your sins. The Spirit of God comes and lives in you. And when you give your life to Jesus, instantly in that moment, God gives you spiritual gifts that he wants you to use. Now, that's a big thing to say. If you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, you don't have spiritual gifts yet. But you need to give your life to Jesus. And the moment that you give your heart and your life to Jesus, in that moment, you get spiritual gifts. All right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. That might be on the screen. There it is. Ephesians 2, 10 says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Watch. For good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, our works don't save us, but God saves us to work. God saves us to do something, to make a difference in the lives of other people. So he's given you spiritual gifts. Now, what are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts could could be abilities that you had your entire life, but when you meet Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes that natural ability that you had, the Holy Spirit takes that natural ability, and what he does is he empowers that to, not, to no longer point people to you, but to point people to Jesus. So it could be a natural gift, so it could be a gift that you had your entire life, but the Spirit of God empowers that gift to begin to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Or a spiritual gift could also be an ability to do something that you have never been able to do before. 
Never been able to do before. Never dreamed that God would use you. Never dreamed you'd do those kinds of things. But God has given to every single believer spiritual gifts that he wants us to use in the church and outside of the church in the world. Like we talked about last week, where you work, live, and play. God's given us gifts that he wants to use. But here's the thing. The enemy is going to fight tooth and nail to make sure that you never believe that. The enemy is going to throw at you every single thing that he can to get you to think that right now I am talking to somebody else other than you. The enemy is going to try. I mean, the Bible says that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That means he is not playing games, Summit. He wants you to quit. He wants you, he wants to destroy your faith. He wants you to give up. The enemy will throw all hell at you to keep you from saying, God, here's my life. Use me however you want to use me. So he'll bring up, your, he'll bring up something you did 20 years ago. God don't want to use you. Remember what you did 20 years ago? Or God don't want to use you. Do you remember what you looked at the other night online and nobody knows about it? But I know about it and I'm never going to let you forget about it. He's going to bring up something that you struggle with and you ask God to forgive you for it over and over and over, but the enemy's just going to throw it on you. The enemy's going to try to fill you with guilt. He's going to try to fill you with shame. He's going to try to fill you with regret. He's going to try to fill you with lies that sound spiritual just to keep you sitting there and being silent. So he'll say things, God doesn't want to use you. You don't know enough of the Bible yet for God to use you. And what happens is decade after decade after decade, we're sitting there waiting for the magical day when all of a sudden the Bible is mystically downloaded into our minds, which never happens. And what happens is the enemy is just trying to deceive us to get us to never say, God, here's my life, use it however you want. See, the enemy doesn't want you to use the spiritual gifts that God has given you. But the good news of the gospel is that you are forgiven for that thing you did 20 years ago, that thing you did last night. You are set free from it. You are God's sons, you are God's daughters, and the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, and you are a vessel that God wants to use. But here's a question I get all the time. Let's ask, let's ask this question. question I get all the time is, Mark, I hear that and I believe that, but how can I know what my gifts are? Mark, how can I know what my spiritual gifts are? How can I go about discovering what my spiritual gifts might be? Well, here's the way that we'll answer that. We'll answer that in a couple of different ways. Uh, uh, a couple of years ago, Rick Warren, pastors of church out in California. You've probably heard of Rick Warren, probably. Rick Warren came up with an acronym known as SHAPE. He wrote a book on it. You can find it online. But SHAPE stands for a couple of things. S stands for spiritual gifts. The S in shape stands for spiritual gifts. You ought to write this down, okay? The S stands for spiritual gifts. Now, here's what you need to know about spiritual gifts. Every single believer has spiritual gift gifts, but no believer has all the spiritual gifts. Does that make sense? Every Christian has spiritual gifts, but no Christian has all of them. That's why churches get messed up when we think that the pastor or a small group of people can do everything. Listen, the pastor or that small group of people, they have some gifts. They don't have all the gifts, but it's a powerful thing when the body of Christ comes together and says, we will use our gifts. So spiritual gifts, I love what Rick Warren does say. He says, your spiritual gifts were not given for your benefit, but for the benefit of others. 
So here's the deal. Your spiritual gifts, the gifts and abilities and talents that you bring to this church and to the world, they matter. Here's another lie that the enemy is going to try to get some of you to believe. Simply this. I don't matter. I don't matter. I, I don't play a big part. I don't matter. It doesn't matter what I do. Other people can do it, but me, I don't matter. See, the Bible says that the church is a body. Let me ask you a question. Is there a part of your body that doesn't matter right now? Right? Anybody? I see all kinds of people take uh, selfies, you know, and I see pe- people go to the gym and they'll post pictures of their arms and their abs or take pictures of their legs and hashtag leg day, right? You know what I've never seen anybody take a picture of and post online? Their pinky toe. Never seen that. Never seen that. Been working my pinky toe out. I think it's beach body ready. I've never, never seen that yet, right? How many people are convinced your pinky toe matters? Sure am. Most people not raising your hand. You're like me. I don't give a lot of air time to my pinky toe. When I look at it, sometimes I'm like, why is there that little uh, gross nub at the end of my toe? I don't know what that does, right? Here's the deal. A lot of us don't think about our pinky toe, but what if we locked every door that leads to an egg? What if we locked all the exit this morning and somebody came up to you and said, hey, listen, you can't leave today until you give us your pinky toe. Right? What would you do? Hopefully you wouldn't say, all right, here you go. Just take it. I don't need it. I don't use it. No, man, you'd get fired up. That's a part of who you are. That pinky toe matters. Right? See, the church is a body and every person matters. You matter. God's given you spiritual gifts, not just to use for yourself, but to bless others. H is heart. H stands for heart. And that stands for things you're passionate about. What are you passionate about? What gets you fired up? Because you're excited. Some of you are passionate about serving the next generation. Some of you are passionate about feeding the hungry. You're passionate about helping people fix things and, and all kinds of things. What are you passionate about? Listen, don't ignore what you're passionate about because you are uniquely made by God and everything about you matters. Never underestimate how God would use your passions, right? Here's another one. A, A stands for abilities, things that you can do. What, what can you do? How ha, what, what, what are some things that you can do that you're just good at? Maybe you're a mechanic. Maybe you can just fix everything that you get your hands on. What are some abilities that God has given you? Maybe you're a great leader. Maybe you're really good at organization. Maybe you're a great cook. Maybe you uh, can lead a team. What can you do? What are your abilities? P stands for personal style. Are you an encourager? Are you an analyzer? You analyze everything. You an extrovert? Are you an introvert? E, last one. E stands for experiences. Experiences. What are some things that God's used you to do in the past? What are some things that just keep coming up in your life? Those things might be an area or a means by which God would want to use you. Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personal style, experiences. We think this is such a big deal for our church that all of us would discover our shape. If you actually open up the Summit app right now, we've put a new, uh, we've put a new button in our app that says shape. And if you click on it right now, I wouldn't do it right now because it's going to take you about 30 or 45 minutes, honestly, to complete this shape, spiritual gifts inventory. But you can do it later on today. You can do it sometime this week. You can do it anytime. We've put it in the app for you. You're going to hear us talk about this a lot. Dana is leading a shape life group here when they start in the next five to six weeks. But I want to challenge our entire church to do this. 
Now listen, it's not perfect and infallible, but what it could be, it could be a means by which God opens your eyes to realize, oh man, I didn't know that God made me like this. I didn't know I was this. I was passionate or wanted to do this. So I want to challenge our entire church to discover their shape by at some point going on the website or the app even sometime today and taking that shape inventory. I'll give you two more things really quickly before we're done and we go out and we uh, do some baptisms and we have our partnership event that several of you have signed up for. I'll give you two very practical ways that you can discover the gifts that God's given you and abilities that God's given you. Number one is just do something. Don't make this so spiritual that you spend the next 50 years praying and fasting in your closet and then all of a sudden you lose your chance. Just get your feet wet. Just do something. All right? Take the shape test and then just start doing something. All right? Just jump, just jump in. Maybe God's given you a passion to serve a certain group of people in our community. Go out and serve those people in our community. The worst thing that can happen is it didn't work out. It's not bad to fail at things you try. Amen? A lot of people never fail at anything because they never take a risk and try something. Don't live that way, church. Don't live that way. But, but maybe God's given you a passion to just go out and try something. Get your feet wet. Listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Some of you, your spiritual gifts, it's to use out. Some of you, listen, when we talk about spiritual gifts, we're not limiting it to things that you can only do in the, inside the walls of a church. There's a lot of you that God's going to wake up a passion inside of you to start something, to join something, to be a part of some kind of uh, something in our community or in the world, and it will never increase the bottom line of this church. But what's more important than increasing the bottom line of this church is increasing the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? Now, with that being said, if you're not serving anybody right now or you're like, man, I don't know what God's given me a passion for. I don't know if I, I don't know where the last time I served somebody in Jesus' name. Listen, if that's you, and I think this ought to apply to everybody, I want to challenge you, serve somewhere in this church. Serve in the church. Here's why serving in the church matters, okay? Here's why serving in the church matters. Serving in the church matters because it is a regular reminder, this isn't about me. It is a regular reminder that the purpose of church is not to come and consume sermons and music and all kinds of other things. The purpose of church is for us to be the church and to contribute because we make a bigger difference together than we do separately, so, if, man, I want to challenge you to serve. Get your feet wet. Just try something. Mark, I don't know what's the right fit for me. Just try something. I say it all the time. I say it all the time. I tell people all the time, hey, maybe you want to try kids. And then you start serving in kids and you realize, oh, my gosh, I hate children. Well, kids is not for you. Just get out of the kids' ministry as fast as you can. Please run away. Right? But just get your feet. Just try something. Maybe it is serving in kids, though. Maybe it's serving in students. Maybe it's serving in second chance mission. Maybe it's serving in celebrate recovery. Maybe it's serving in guest services. Maybe you become a life group leader. Maybe you want to be in the worship team. You want to help every single Sunday with setting up and tearing down. You want to help on the website. You want to help on the social media team. But I want to challenge our entire church. Listen, if you're not serving anywhere and you've been coming for a little bit, I want to challenge you. Don't just come. I want to challenge you to contribute. I want to challenge you to get your feet wet. I want to challenge you and say, hey, man, what if you put yourself in a regular position to say, you know what, it's not about me. Jesus, use my life to make a difference in other people. Because I want to tell you, man, the people that serve and make this happen every single week, we could not do it without them. Amen? Amen? That should have been real loud. Amen? Your kids are being served right now. Amen? 
If you're a parent, don't, oh, I'm dropping my kids off. No, man, we are teaching Jesus on their level. And some of y'all's children are possessed by the devil and need it. Right? Y'all know who I'm talking about. Don't look. Right? The worship team. Oh, Mark, you can do it all. Listen, praise God I am not in the worship team. Right? Listen, the moment that I'm in the worship team, say to yourself, oh, it must be the last day of our church. We must be shutting down. We don't care anymore. Right? I got a guitar. Hallelujah! Right? There's a reason I, no, man. These people are using their gifts. Put yourself in a position. Just do something. Number two, get in a discipling relationship. Last one. Get in a discipling relationship. That sounds real spiritual. Here's what that means. What it means is this. Is there anybody in your life that can affirm God's gifting in your life? Do you know anybody that says, hey, man, when you do that, God uses you? Hey, when you said that, God used you. Hey, man, when you did that last week for that person, I know you might have thought it was just a small thing, but God used you when you did that. Get in a discipling relationship. That means joining a life group or one of our serve groups. If you're a student, you ought to come to students tonight, 530 middle school, 705 high school. Get in a discipling relationship. But I promise you, you will never discover the gifts that God has given you by sitting there doing nothing. Amen? Hoping that other people do what God may want you to do. So here's why we've done this series and we're done. The reason that we did this series, I am going, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. The reason that we did this series, I am going, is not so that we'd all go out and bring people in and thousands and thousands of people are in our church and our church just gets bigger and bigger and massive. Now we should want every seat filled every Sunday, amen? We should want as many people as possible every week to hear about Jesus and to respond to Jesus. We want to see this building full. We want to see the building we're building up there full. Absolutely, we want to see more and more people come. But listen, that's not why we did this series. The reason that we did this series, I am going, is because Jesus says, follow me. So we are going because Jesus is going ahead of us. Jesus is going to the hurting, he is going to the hungry, he is going to the broken, he's going to the person that has everything the world could ever give them except God. And the worst thing that the church can do, the worst thing that the church could do is to say, Jesus, you go to the lost, you go to the broken, we'll stay here because it's comfortable. The moment we do that, we are disobedient. Jesus, you go and you do what you do, and we'll stay here, and we'll have our nice little huddle, but you go there. No, we are going because he goes first, amen? And we are following him. Would you pray with me? Jesus, if we follow you, it's inevitable we're gonna get to people. It's inevitable we're gonna get to somebody who's hurting. It's inevitable we're gonna get to somebody that's hungry. It's inevitable that we're gonna get to somebody that's lost. It's inevitable. God, we just can't escape it that if we are following you, we're gonna get to people. Let us never forget it is so much more than an hour on Sunday. Sunday's apart, Sunday's apart, Sunday's apart. But it's not the whole because Jesus' church isn't about to end. Church is really only beginning because the church is going to leave the building and go out into the world with the message that the world desperately needs to hear. So God, I pray that you would lead our church, lead our church to the people that you are going to. Because Jesus, we want to follow you. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, the challenge today is really practical. It's very easy to understand.
Are you using the gifts that God has given you? Are you? Are you using the gifts that God has given you? Are you serving, are you serving anybody in, in Jesus' name? Maybe serving here in the church. If you're saying, you know what, I don't know if I'm using the gifts that God's given me. I, I, I just feel like there's something missing. Are you serving in the church? If not, man, I want to challenge you to take that step today. Maybe you are serving in the church and you're saying, you know what, I feel like I was made for more. Don't ignore that. Don't ignore that. Don't ignore that. Maybe God wants you to take that shape inventory today. And he opens your eyes to say, you know what, I want to use you where you work. I want to use you in that neighborhood. I want you to do this. God, nobody's doing that. I know, I saved it for you. I'm not asking you to raise your hand today. This is between you and the Lord. Because I want you to mean I want you to mean it. I want you to mean it. I want you to mean this today so God can see the results. If you are here today, regardless of where you are, but if the cry of your heart is God, use my life. However you want, use my life. That is a dangerous prayer, but it is a prayer that Jesus always answers. I want, us to pray, I want you to pray that prayer right now. If that's the decision that you believe God wants you to make, or just to reconfirm it. God, use my life however you want today. Use my life however you want. I'm gonna challenge you today. I would love for you to write that down on your connection card. I prayed that prayer, and whatever that might look like, maybe you need to serve. Maybe you need to stick around for the partnership event and jump in to this local church. But Jesus, use our lives. And maybe you're here today and you're not a believer at all. You're not a follower of Jesus. You know, Jesus loves you and you are uniquely made by him so that you can know him. And today, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, all you need to do is right now to say, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. And he promises to do it. If right now you want to make that decision, I'm going to lead us in a prayer and you can pray that prayer with me right there where you're at. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for sin. Come into my life and save me. I want you to be my Savior and Lord. I give my life to you right now in this moment. Thank you for saving me and for loving me. It's in your name I pray. Amen. No one is looking around, no eyes open. If today you just gave your life to Jesus, if you just prayed to give your life to Jesus Christ today, I would love to just celebrate with you. If you made that decision, would you just raise your hand right now and say, Mark, today I gave my life to Jesus for the first time. Today I, I got saved. Raise your hand right now. Anybody in this room needs to make that call? Just go ahead and do it. Father, thank you that you have not left us to figure this out on our own. The Spirit of God lives in us. And we are your people, the church. And so, God, I pray that as this service ends, that, Father, you would use us this week, that we would follow you wherever you go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Awesome. Hey, now here's what we're going to do. All right, church is over, so, so you're dismissed, but sort of not really, okay? Because we are...